Al-Bayan Radio presents Tafsir Unlocked, presented by Sheikh Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'ghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina min sayyati a'malina. Man yahdihillah fala mudillalah wa man yudlil falan tajida lahu waliyan murshida. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الأحد القهار وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed all praise and thanks belongs to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone We seek his help, his assistance and guidance in all things He whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala guides there is none that can misguide him And he whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala leads astray there is none that can guide him Except through the will and permission of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah, and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashmi al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah. Fear Allah as he deserves to be feared. And do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. رَبِّ اشْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَحْلِ الْعُقْتَةً مِّنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 35. And today we are going to take probably one of the longest verses that we've taken up until now, in one sitting, insha'Allah. Yani I thought we could go maybe two verses, but the next verse is even longer. So next week will be one massive portion. Yani, but today's verse is about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises the believers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَبَشِّرِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ أَنَّ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْنِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ كُلَّمَا رُزِقُوا مِنْهَا مِنْ ثَمَرَةِ الرِّزْقًا قَالُوا هَذَا الَّذِي رُزِقْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِ وَأُتُوا بِهِ مُتَشَابِهًا وَلَهُمْ فِيهَا أَزْوَاجٌ مُطَهَّرَةٌ وَهُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَبَشِّرِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا He says, and give glad tidings. يعني, who is this for? Oh, يعني, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, O oh Muhammad, give glad tidings. To who? To the believers. Inform them of this news. Now, al-bishara, where bashir comes from, al-bishara, is generally used as glad tidings, good news that is given. But Imam al-Baghawi, rahimahullah, he makes it a point and he says that every truthful information that changes the disposition of the face and it is used, yani anything that, is, that changes the disposition of the face, what does the disposition of the faith mean? Expression, expression yani. That is what al-bishara is. Any truthful information that changes the disposition of the face. And it is used for that which is good and that which is harmful. For khair and shar. That which is good and that which is harmful. However, it is predominantly used for that which is good. So over here, al-bishara, what we learn from this is that it is news of anything that is true. News of anything that is true. So it's not something that has any doubt in it. And what it's supposed to do is that it changes the disposition of the face. So if it's good news, you can see a smile or maybe a squint in the eye or يعني, a person becomes comfortable in his face. You see this on his actual face. 
As for harmful news, the opposite is true, right? It brings sadness, perhaps anger, or discomfort on the face. But there'll be something, some effect where it will show on the face. That's what the asl of this word is, al-bishara. Now, in this verse, so what we have here is good news to those who believe. And it is, the meaning then becomes, give the good news of truth. Because what we took is that it is a statement of truth. So give the good news of truth to those who believe. What is the good news, right? We'll get to that later. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says something before He gets to the news. He says, وَبَشِّرِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ Give glad tidings of good news to those who believe and there's someone else here now. There's something else that's needed. What is it? And to those who do pious actions. So over here we know that belief is not enough. That belief is essentially what is needed is that belief needs to be met with worship. Belief needs to be worship, yani met with worship. Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah he says what this means is that you make your actions sincere. You make your actions sincere for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that which is free from riyah. That is what is righteous actions. Mu'adh ibn Jabal, radiyallahu an, he says, al-amalu salih yani righteous actions, they have four characteristics. Four things that a righteous action has. What are they? The first is al-ilmu, al-ilm which is the knowledge. The second is al-niyyah, the intention. The first is al-ilm, the second is al-niyyah. Who's this from? Mu'adh radiallahu an. The third is al-sabr, patience. And the fourth is al-ikhlas, the sincerity. Now, these four are what build up all actions, right? Either they're good or they're bad, but it has to fall into these categories here. And how they need to be performed is also here in these four categories, in these four things, four steps, or four characteristics of al-amal salih righteous actions. The first was knowledge. And it is the fact that all worship needs to be done as found in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Al-ilm, knowledge. So all worship must be built upon knowledge and nothing else. If the knowledge is absent, then the action has no evidence for it, and so the action is not done. Right? And that is pertaining to worship. Because we're saying all amal salih righteous actions, which is worship, it has to have this first condition, which is knowledge. Al-ilm. Knowledge. I'm going to ask today, so be careful. So, it needs to be found in the Quran and the Sunnah. The second is the intention. The second is a niyyah. And... This is what every action must be carried with, the intention itself. So for instance, if you skip breakfast and lunch, and you're like trying to diet, I know it looks like that, I need to start one very, very soon, but anyways, we'll get to that later. Don't, don't, don't do that to me. But let's just say, يعني, you break your fast at sunset, you do a 18 hour, 20 hour, whatever it is, right? Your fasts are from Maghrib to Maghrib. Now if this person doesn't have the intention of fasting, of a psalm, he won't get the reward of fasting, even though he might have done all the actions. He might have had a water fast and a yani, food fast, right? But now because he was doing it for the sake of intermittent fasting, and not a psalm, he didn't have the intention of worship, he will not be getting any rewards of a psalm or fasting. 
However, if he had the intention of fasting and something along came along with it with the benefit of the dunya, then he will get his reward in accordance to his intention. If it was like half and half, I'm going to fast because I need to fast. You know, and your man's getting a bit big, you know what I mean? So he's saying, I need to fast, right? For the benefit of losing weight. So now in accordance to his niyyah, how much was it for Allah and how much was it for himself? Then that's how much the rewards is. Because all in, yani, actions are judged by the intentions. So that is the yani, pinnacle of it, that without the intention, the action is useless, right? In, the, in respect to the religion. The third is patience. Now the patience is to do the action for as long as it needs to be done. Patience is to do the action for as long as the action needs to be done. So for instance, if someone starts the salah, right? Two raka'ahs in and he's like, wow, the shaykh's taking ages, right? Legs it. He runs away from the masjid, right? Shaykh's taking too long. There was a story of some, some brothers who came from an interstate masjid. I'm not going to say which one. And he was here for some lessons. And it was Isha. And they were travelers. So what they did was they prayed with the imam. Two raka'ahs in. They're like, oh, wait. <laughs> we have to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they didn't get up, they just, they prayed too, they made their salam and they left. And then, <laughs> after the prayer we look and all the lines are a bit like, what's going on? The brothers are saying, the lines are a bit, hey, how's it going? And half of the masjid is like almost empty, one of the mashayikh from here is telling me this, right? And uh, after a while then they called the, the brothers, that they're on the bus all the way on, on the drive back to their state. So what happened, boys? You can't, can't. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're on the M5 already. Don't worry, we're gone, we're gone. It's like that's not how. That's not counted as a full worship here. And this also has, yani, so that you have to do the worship as long as the worship is complete, right? As long as it needs to be done. So patience is being patient upon the completion of the worship. So for instance, someone, yani, in Ramadan, he gets tired Asr time. It's the fastest Ramadan. It's going to be long. I'm warning you guys now. Get used to get ready to it. Get ready for it. But the fasting is going to be long now, right? So, yani asr time, he's like, nah, khalas, done. Right? So now he hasn't been patient upon the worship. And another form of patience as well, something as a side issue, is that, yani, this covers everything. That, for instance, if there was ever a time where jihad was established, then it's patience upon doing that what is necessary. So as long as it needs to be done, the worship must continue. You can't go away because a tawalli yawm al-zahf, is one of the worst things that you could do, right? Running away from the battle lines, which is a great sin. So patience upon a worship as long as the worship needs to be done. So it covers all worship. Does that make sense? Now what's the fourth one? Al-ikhlas. That's two on two now. Astaghfirullah. Sincerity. Is that the action needs to be done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. No one else. And this is essential for every worship. Of course, right? And so it needs to be done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and any action that is done for the sake of other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rejected. Yes? Okay. That is what al-amalu salih is. Righteous actions. That is what good deeds are. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have in favor? What does he have in store for these people? For those who believed in him and not just believe, not lip service, they actually did good deeds. And they actually worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala properly. They were sincere in their worship. They did that which they had to do and they were patient upon it. Now, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give these people? 
anna lahum say he just said jannah no 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 anna lahum jannat right that indeed for them is not a garden because jannah is one garden jannat they have gardens now imam al baghawi rahimahullah he says jannah is a garden which has trees that bear fruit jannah is a garden so it's not like يعني, it's just flowers right like you think you know jannah is like or maybe red the sisters probably thinking it's all red, all pink and all purple and stuff no? okay خلاص. you haven't been married yet that's that's why you don't know jannah has trees that bears fruit now jannah was called this is because this will be part of the shade and the privacy that will be there in Jannah. This is part of, like, let's just say, the walls, right? Between properties and what have you. You will be secluded and it will form as a barrier and you will be hidden by these trees. So it forms as privacy also for the people of Jannah. And then, subhanAllah, something that we look in this verse, we find two concepts of the Arabic language that is absolutely beautiful when pondered over. The concept of affirmation, tawkid, and the concept of distinction, which is hasr. Right? Tawkid and hasr, which is affirmation, right? And distinction. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, anna, anna, which is from, yani this, it's a word which is used to say indeed. It is a statement of truth and certainty, tawkid. Truth and certainty. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses anna or inna, right, it means it is complete truth. Complete truth. And it is the reality of the issue after which no one is allowed to have any doubt in it. There's no shak in this, there's no doubt in this. Because Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala al-alim, the one who has knowledge of all things, he is saying verily indeed. So this is a form of certainty of what comes next. So subhanallah, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows of every matter in intricate detail, we can't say, oh this is in the future, right? Jannah is later on, how can we know things then? No, no, no. Allah has intricate knowledge of the past, the present, and the future. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says indeed, it is ironclad, right? What does ironclad mean when there's a contract that's ironclad? There's no getting out of it. It's 100% certainty. There's absolute conviction in what he is going to say. And we have to believe with the highest form of certainty in what comes next. And then he says, Anna lahum, for them. Now over here, <coughs> this is a form of distinction. That only them, that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared only lahum, for them only. So what this gives us is subhanallah, those who fit this category, they will have jannat, gardens. So this means that jannah is exclusively for those who believed and did righteous deeds. Exclusively. Anna lahum. So over here it's certainty and exclusivity right that it's exclusively for these people then subhanallah what we can take from this also is that if you're not of those who believe and you don't do righteous deeds then what are you hoping for if allah says lahum it means it's specifically made for these people 
So then if you haven't met this bar, what are you hoping for in your Lord? Right? You haven't earned Jannah. So this is يعني, the first point. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins to describe the paradise. Right? First he said, Anna lahum jannat. This is what he's prepared for them. Beneath which rivers are flowing. Beneath which. Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, he says, beneath the trees of the paradise and the dwellings of paradise, the homes of paradise. Underneath, rivers flow. Now, others have said the castles and the rooms and everything, beneath it are rivers, right? So subhanAllah, the rivers are flowing under the dwellings and the trees of the paradise. It is mentioned that the rivers of Jannah are غير أخدود, which means that they don't have any shores, they don't have like banks, any side, any steps on the, on the sides of it. It's just flowing. As much as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills it to flow and it will never cease, to, it will never cease to come to an end, right? It will never end. This water will never stop flowing. So over here, it travels wherever the water is needed. That is the beauty of the water and the rivers of paradise. Now there are four seas of Jannah. There are four rivers, seas, bigger than a river. There are four oceans, let's just say, of what? Jannah. Muawiyah radiallahu anhu, he stated that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, verily in paradise, there is a sea of water. The first one. Sea of water. A sea of honey, pure honey. <laughs> Not like what we get at Coles, right? It's like 2% honey. A sea of milk. A sea of milk, that's the third one. And a sea of wine. A sea of wine. And thereafter, after these oceans, right, they branch into rivers. So, subhanAllah, something that was mentioned by the scholars is that everyone will have access to every river. Of Jannah. That it's not just one river. That you just get, you're limited. Khalas, you got the bad property on Jannah. You just get water. You don't get honey. You don't get, <laughs> you don't get anything else. No, no, no. They have access to all of the rivers of Jannah. Right? So, now the question comes, where do these rivers come from? Where are the, where are the sources of water? Right? What's happening? How is this coming to be? There is, subhanAllah, a hadith that states that in Al-Firdaus, it's a, it's a hadith describing Al-Firdaus and it states right at the end that above Firdaus is what? The Arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then at the end of the hadith it says, and from it are the sources, right? From it are the rivers of paradise. From it. So there's a difference of opinion. There's a difference of opinion. Some of the scholars they stated that the source of the rivers of paradise is the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The arsh itself of Allah is the source of the rivers of Jannah. That's the source of it. However, there is others who have stated that it, the it over here goes back to Al-Firdaus, what it was first talking about. right? And from it, يعني, from Al-Kawthar, from Al-Firdaus, is what? The rivers. That's, when they, that's where it comes from. So what's the two opinions? The first is what? The water, that comes from where? And the second is where? 
from Firdaus, right? From the highest point of Jannah. Now, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, he mentions in his book, Al-Kafiya Shafiya, he says, he kind of goes away from all of this, and he says that the rivers stream from above, which is not wrong. <laughs> Both times it's right. Either it's from the Arsh or from Al-Firdaus, which is the highest point. So he says it streams from above, and it streams downwards. Okay? Subhanallah, if you look at the dunya, what's the dunya like? What's the dunya like? What's the water of dunya like? Where's the ocean? Yani? Where's the rivers coming from, right? Where's, where's the water from the oceans coming from? From underneath, right? From underneath. Yani, there's no hole in the sky that's like a constant 24-hour tap, right? For the oceans of the world. There's no hole, is there? I'm just making sure. No. <laughs> yani, if you wanted to create a well, you start digging. You don't go take a plane in the sky and start hacking on a cloud, right? It won't work. But subhanallah, the, the, the difference of dunya and akhirah, right? in Jannah, it comes from above. How? When you think about that, that's, that's something, subhanallah, amazing to begin with. That from the, the waters of Jannah, they come from above. Like, a, like think of it as like waterfalls, right? And that's the source of it. And then from there, it disseminates. It goes to everywhere in Jannah. Subhanallah. Now, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He describes something extremely interesting about Jannah. He says, "Kullama ruziqu minha min thamaratir rizqa." Every time they are given some provisions, something to eat from the provisions of paradise. So when they're given something to, يعني provisions, which means generally food, when they're given something of the provisions of paradise, then they say, "Qalu hada aladhi ruziqna min qabl." They say, this is what we were provided for before. This is what we were provided for before. So subhanAllah, they see the fruits or that which they previously had in one opinion in the dunya. They see that which they had seen in the dunya. When they are given it, they say, oh, this is something we have been provided for before. Right? So subhanAllah, you know when you, you haven't seen something, like let's just say you went to, where's the place that they sell pecking duck? What's the play? Who knows? Huh? Where? New Harmony? <laughs> Find the, no, like overseas. Like what's the, what's the actual place where it comes from? Like That's racist somewhat. You know what I mean? Let's just say Malaysia. Let's just say or Thailand or Taiwan or something. Let's just say Malaysia. Muslim country. From Beijing. Beijing? Peking's Beijing, yeah. But I'm saying Peking. Peking duck. You know the one with crispy skin? Anyways, let's just, let's just go with it. Let's just say Malaysia, right? So imagine you ate something there, right? And then someone comes, he comes to Australia, and then he goes to a restaurant, like to say New Harmony, someone said New Harmony, right? Goes to Greenacre, goes to the area. And then he, it comes on the dish and he's like, oh, I've had this before. I've had this before, right? We've had this before. See that? Yeah, and he's, it's not like, oh, I've had this before. You know what I mean? There's two types of we've had this before. <laughs> right? So <laughs> he says, that it has been said that some of the provision, provisions, the fruits of the paradise, are similar in color and appearance to that which is in the dunya. However, their taste is completely different. The taste is completely different. So that is why when they are provided with things, different things, they look the same, they assume, and they think that it is the same thing that they previously had. Another possible meaning is, let's just say you've been in Jannah for a thousand years. Inshallah. 
inshallah ya rab and you get something that you had on the first day that you were in jannah so every time now you've provided something say let's just say a thousand years later you're getting something else now this is something we've had before from a long time ago or you were given something in yani, for breakfast let's just say and something for lunch and it looks somewhat similar so over here this is yani, two possible variations so either in the dunya they were provided for it or in the akhirah in jannah itself they were provided for it but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he responds is it the same thing? is it really the same thing? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says they were given something that resembles it but in fact it is something uniquely different it is completely different Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma he says they resemble in color and appearance but they appear يعني, but they are different completely in taste they appear the same but in taste they are what? completely different Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah has said that it has been said that they have similar names like a banana here Talhin uh, Mamdud, right? Bananas or Rumman, pomegranates they have similar names but they're different in essence to that which was in the dunya then subhanallah there is يعني, this is based off a statement of Ibn Abbas عنهما, where he said there is nothing on, the, on this dunya that is in paradise except in name there is nothing that is in dunya that is in paradise except in name so subhanallah يعني, we have like rivers of water don't think that the water of Jannah is like H2O two hydrogens one oxygen like, right H Two, yeah, two hydrogens, one oxygen. Don't think that that's the chemical compound of it or that the, the, the wine will be a specific type or the honey will be manuka and not sidr. And we don't know what it's going to be like. It's just names. Whereas in Jannah, it's a different reality completely. right? Something completely different. But look specifically at how they mentioned and how these successful people, they perceive things. Because these people are in Jannah. They've succeeded. Right, so this is something of a learning point for us of how they react to things. Right, so if we look upon them, we find them that they are upon a level of understanding. They're upon a level of understanding because when they witnessed that which they recognized, they didn't attribute anything to themselves. They didn't say, "Oh, this is something that I would buy in the dunya." Did you get it? This is not something I. Per- this is not something I grew in the dunya. This is something I grew. Remember, it, nothing to the self. This is not something that I would purchase or that I would grow or that I ate in the dunya. What did they say? What did they say? This is what we were provided for previously. So over here, subhanallah, they were provided in the dunya by a razzaq. And so they attribute that which they had to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which shows us this level of dependency that we're supposed to have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we attribute with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all that we have and subhanallah to attribute everything that you have shows humility, humbleness and the absence of pride and ego because you're saying Allah is the one who gave me Allah is the one who provided for me you're not saying I did this or I did that or I used to do this no, no, no 
This is what we were provided for. This is what we were given by Allah wa ta'ala. So everything is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ultimately everything is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything is from Him and everything that we do is for Him. Jalla Jalalu. This is, subhanallah, one of the beautiful things that we can just take from just that statement. This is something that we were provided for. Now, Jabir radiallahu an. He narrates that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, has said as found in Sahih Muslim, the par- people of paradise will eat and drink, yet they will neither produce waste, nor sneeze, nor urinate. Rather, their food will be digested. How? By emitting a scent like musk. It will evaporate into musk. And that is what? That's the smell that will come from you. And subhanAllah in the hadith it says they will glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with hamd and praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as easy as you breathe. So it's like with every single breath will be what? Glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this means that the one who is praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the dunya when you are in the state of dhikr Take it as if you are in a state in paradise. Subhanallah. Because that's what they're going to be doing. As easy as you breathe. How, easy, how hard is it to say subhanallah? Right, subhanallah. Huh? It's not as easy as breathing. But that's the closest that you can get. The closest that you can get to the, to the, to the jannah, right, is in dhikrullah. Whether it's praying or whatever you're doing, right? This, this is the closest that you can get to of tranquility and peace in this dunya. Subhanallah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says what most people think about when they think of Jannah. Astaghfirullah. وَلَهُمْ فِيهَا أَزْوَاجٌ مُطَهَّرَةٌ And in the paradise, too many people smiling. <laughs> too many people just heard the words. خلاص. And in paradise, they will have spouses that are pure. Spouses that are pure. Now, <clears throat> zawjun, zawjun in the Arabic language, as mentioned by Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, is unspecific to man and woman. Is unspecific. So a lady can be zawjur rajuli. Zawjur rajul. Yani the wife of the husband. Right? So zawj is a spouse. The spouse of the man. So <clears throat> that is one point. Right, that zawj walahum fiha azwaj, that they will have spouses. It's not just that the men will have spouses and the women, ma'asalam, right? That's the first point. The second is that Imam al baghawi rahimahullah, he mentions that these spouses will be from the Hurul Ain. And something that is important to note is that the believing woman, right, from this dunya will be more beautiful than the Hurul Ain. So don't just like be like, Ya Allah, give me Hurul Ain. No, ya Allah, give me righteous spouse in this world and the next. Because that will be better than a Hurul Ain. Right? Anyways, continuing. Because we've got too many unmarried people here. The spouse, Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, he says will be free from what? What are they going to be? How are they going to be pure? So they will be free from defecation. Going to the bathroom, akramakumullah. They will be free from urination, akramakumullah. They'll be free from menstrual cycles. Akramakumullah. 
They'll be free from postnatal bleeding. Akramakumullah. They will be free from mucus and spit and snot and sperm and pre-ejaculate and anything else that is unclean. Anything else that is unclean. They'll be free from all of these things. Now, <coughs> something that is mentioned. Ibrahim al-Nakhai, rahimahullah. He mentions that in Jannah, there will be intercourse without pregnancy. Intercourse without pregnancy. So, do with that as you will. Now, so in Jannah, the spouses, subhanallah, will be free from anything that brings harm. Free from anything that brings harm. Free from that which is difficult. And free from that which is unclean. They'll be free from all of this. Subhanallah. And not that they'll just be pure and clean. Right? That's one thing. That's awesome. That's cool. Right? But also, they will increase in their beauty. They will increase in their beauty. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says it's found in Sahih Muslim, that uh, Anas radiallahu an narrated, that verily there is a market in paradise, to which the people will come every Friday. People will come to this, this market on every Friday. And the wind will scatter fragrances on their faces. Imagine the wind itself is musk. The wind itself smells beautiful. It's a perfume in itself. And it'll scatter their faces with what? Fragrance, with beauty. And clothes also will be touched by the wind of Jannah. And it'll start to smell beautiful. And it will increase their excellence and beauty. Imagine the wind of Jannah, by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, makes you more beautiful. The wind of Jannah makes you more beautiful. Now subhanAllah, they will return to their families after being increased in excellence and beauty. They're smelling nicer, they're looking fresher, right? It's like getting a cut, you know what I mean? You know that feeling of once you get it? You know? <laughs> After coming back home on the Friday to their families, and they've been increased in excellence and beauty, they will say, by Allah, we have seen you increased in your excellence. The families will say this, right? So they'll actually, in Jannah, the wives will actually, what? Be nice, and they will actually... <laughs> They will compliment you. They will compliment you. This is the wives of Jannah. Right? And they will say, We have seen you increased in excellence and beauty. And the husbands will also in Jannah be quite nice too. And they will say, By Allah. So it's not, it's not mujamala. They're not lying. By Allah, you also have increased in excellence and beauty. Subhanallah. <laughs> that got you, huh? They will be more beautiful, subhanAllah, even when they go and separate. And when they rejoin, they become more beautiful. This hadith, subhanAllah, where is it? Imam Muslim. Hadith in Sahih Muslim. Which is showing you that this is what Jannah is going to be like. There's not going to be any harm in Jannah. It's just going to be constant increases of pleasure and happiness. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَهُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ and they will reside therein forever. They will reside therein forever. They will never leave. They will never be kicked out. They will never be taken out. They will never cease to exist. They are going to be there eternally. They are not going to leave. Now subhanAllah, in both Al-Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, verily, the first group to enter paradise 
will be shining like the moon. Shining like the moon. The first people, right? Who are who? Who's the first people to enter Jannah? The poor usually, that's what's mentioned, the poor will enter before the rich by a hundred number of years, right? Hundreds of years earlier because they have less to answer for. They'll get into Jannah quicker. So they will be the first group of yani, to enter the paradise, shining like the moon. And then those who follow them, yani, subhanAllah, also before that, before the poor even, is those who enter the Jannah without hisab, without kitab, right? Those who have no reckoning, the 70,000 who will enter Jannah without any questioning, right? That's who the first people will enter Jannah. But anyways, those who follow them will be like the most brilliant star in the sky, bright, shining. They will not need to relieve themselves nor emit any secretion. Yani they don't need to go to the bathroom, Akramakumullah, they don't need to do any of that. Their combs will be of gold. And their sweat will be smelling like musk. So over here, isn't gold haram to use for a man? For men? In this dunya. Right? That's why the Sahaba were told that this, yani the, the, the gold and the silk for a man is for the kuffar in the dunya, right? And for the Muslims in al-akhirah. That's when you can bling up. Yani. That's when you're allowed to use gold. Right? That's when you're allowed to have it. Because for us it's in the akhirah. And for them it's here, in the dunya. And subhanAllah, the hadith continues, it says, Aloe wood will be their incense, their bukhur, and their spouses will be the hur al-'ayn, all of which will them, all of them will look alike. Very important because it goes on to the next point. All of them will look alike. The people of Jannah, they'll look the same. Right? In hayah, in the way that they are. And they will resemble their father being 60 cubits tall in the sky. So we go back to the original way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us. Huge in stature, right? Larger people. Everyone becomes larger. In another narration, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, remember this hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. In another narration, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will say, there will not be any disagreements between them. There will not be any disagreements between them. Everyone will get along, no dramas. And they will not hate each other. There's no enmity in Jannah. Right? And their hearts will be like one heart. They will, as if they're functioning together as brotherhood, the pure brotherhood and sisterhood. That is what is in Jannah. They will operate as one. And they will glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala morning and evening. In a tirmidhi, it tells us what it means by they all resemble one another. Right? What does it mean? They're all going to look the same. Mu'adh radiallahu an, he narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the people of Jannah will enter paradise hairless. They won't have hair on their bodies. Hairless. And beardless. There won't be any beards in Jannah. With their eyes anointed with kuhl. You know the ithmid, the black, yani the black powder, right? Kuhl. It's from like, it's a natural eyeliner, let's just say, which is permissible. To wear, aged 30 or 33 years old as difference in the narrations itself. Now something that is important over here, the whole beardless, there's a story, right? There was a dream that one of the mashayikh had. And I believe it was, yeah, it was Sheikh Abu Ishaq al-Huwaini, Hafidahullah in Egypt. And he had a dream. <coughs> and the dream was that Sheikh Albani, rahmatullah alayhi, he 
cut his beard, right? And he gave Abu Ishaq, Hafizahullah, he gave him the beard. Sheikh woke up and said, What is going on? Right? So he asked one of the other mashayikh, and so it was told to him that now Sheikh Albani can't have a beard in Jannah. Right? This was the interpretation of the dream. And so you will take on this role of hadith sciences, continue with it. SubhanAllah. Right? So this whole thing of beardless, this is from the, the, the way that the mannerisms of how we'll enter Jannah. Now, for my single folk, right, there's a quite a few of you. Um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you spouses. But don't, don't worry, in Jannah, there will not be any singletons. <laughs> He's happy now, khalas, he can go home. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he gave us assurance that no one will be in Jannah alone. No one will be alone in Jannah, right? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stated, as found uh, in Sahih Muslim, narrated by Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu, uh, that uh, there will be no one in paradise who is unmarried. Everyone will be married. Now this is from the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for the woman, right, we get all these questions. This is like, if you just write in Arabic, Hal, right, is linnisa for the woman, and write Jannah, right, is for the woman Jannah, the first response you get is Hurulain, right? It's the most commonly typed question on Google, Right for the sisters, like do the sisters also have hurlain? Now something that is, يعني, clear cut, it is impossible that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has something prepared for the men and not for the women. Jannah is not just a place for men; it is a place for men and women. However, from the adab of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the etiquette of Allah, and the shyness of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the shyness of Allah Tabarak wa Taala. And the shyness of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this was not explicitly said. Because this is seen as aib, unbefitting to talk about that. But that is what has been mentioned by some of the scholars, modern contemporary scholars also. That this is seen as from the adab and from the haya, the shyness, right, of the Quran and the sunnah. However, it is unfathomable, impossible, that Allah has prepared for the men something and for the women nothing. But what has been mentioned by the scholars is that she has the right in Jannah to ask for whatever she wants. Any specific husband she wants, she can ask for it. Right? Because over there, it's literally you ask and it will be granted. And if she doesn't want her husband, she can even ask to be separated from him. She can. Imagine getting divorced in Jannah. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's... Yani if she doesn't want it, right? So there's no dhulm in Jannah, but something that's important to note is that if someone is unhappy and what have you, then know that whatever makes you unhappy in this dunya will not make you, there's not, none of that in Jannah. Everything will be sweet, everything will be good, everything will be kind, everything will be gentle, everything will be as you want it. So this is yani, something that needs to be mentioned because that's a very common question. Now, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, as a summary of this, he says that in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the blessing of the bodies, right? By being given rivers and by being, giving, by being given provision, thamarat and anhar, right? Has been given to us and this is a blessing for your bodies, right? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given a blessing in regards to a nafs, in regards to the soul, right? And the mental state also, right? By giving you 
a spouse that is pure. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants you the coolness of your eyes, the greatest comfort, the greatest comfort, which is that all of this that was prepared, everything that was here, that was made for you, this is for you eternally. There's no angst or anxiety, where will I go tomorrow? Or a thousand years, where will I be? No, if you're in Jannah, you're in Jannah for all eternity. So all of this has been given to those who what? Now, as a summary, وَبَشِّرِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Those who believe and what? Do righteous deeds. That is who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the tip of the iceberg, right? This is just the tip. This is the first reference of what we have in Jannah, in the Qur'an right now, right? But we still have the rest of the Qur'an to go through and then to see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for the believers is unbelievable. This is just one verse. One verse. One verse of Jannah. Imagine what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for the believers. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those who believe and do righteous deeds. We, make, make, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those who enter the paradise without any hisab, without any kitab. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those who are in firdaus. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to aid our brothers and sisters in Gaza. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to unite their hearts and to have mercy on them in this world and the next. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Wa jazakumullahu khaira. Wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.